0: This is the podcast for RUF at the University of Texas, a community for students to experience God's grace and express God's grace to others. For more information, visit www.ruf.org slash UT or find us on Instagram at Texas RUF. This is really like the biggest week of your life, right? I mean, many of you... Uh, you grew up in Dallas or Houston or Todd or wherever it might be, and you've been waiting your whole life to go to the University of Texas, and all summer, I mean, you've been like dying in your parents' house waiting to finally get to UT and to finally like meet your roommates and, and see if your friends are going to be, and see what it feels like to like wake up on the first day of classes and walk down Speedway and finally step foot into a college classroom, right? I mean, sophomores and juniors and seniors, I mean, you've been waiting all summer too. I mean, you have been waiting to come back to campus and and see all of your old friends, and to again to have a fresh start and to make this year better than any that have come before. I mean, all of us have been waiting for football season. I mean, all of us are waiting for the Bama game. All of us are waiting to see who's going to be the quarterback this fall. I mean, all of us are waiting for fall parties and that first cool morning of fall. the weather to finally change and not be 100 degrees but right now the first week of school for all of us the wait is finally over and everything is now beginning and as we open the book of mark tonight that is what i want you to feel i want you to feel in mark that the wait is finally over and everything is beginning and all semester we will be looking together at the book of mark and what i hope you see this semester is that christianity is not advice, it is news. It is not advice, it is news, and those are two very different things, advice and news, because what is advice? Advice is about something you must do. But news is about something that happens to you and happens outside of you. And Christianity is news. And specifically in Mark, Mark tells a story or news about the arrival of a king. And so that is why we will be calling our series together this fall, Following the King. Because each every week we will be turning the mark and we will be asking, who is this king that has arrived on the stage? And what might it look like in my life to follow him, to follow the king? So tonight as we begin our series tomorrow, we're going to look at news of the king. News, news of the king. We're going to see two things. First of all, receiving the news, and second, responding to the news. So receiving the news, and then responding to it. First, receiving the news. So turn down your bulletins to the very beginning of Mark, where again we sense that the wait is over and everything is finally happening. And we see this in the very first words. Look at verse 1. The beginning. What does that sound like? I mean, it sounds like a story where this new chapter is being written. Something is beginning and starting. And and, and we feel the the sort of excitement and anticipation in the pace of our passage as well. Where over and over again, Mark and his gospel will use this word immediately. And immediately this happened. And immediately that happened. And immediately Jesus said this. And immediately the disciples did that. Verse 18, we see it immediately. Verse 20, immediately. It's as if Mark is totally out of breath. Because the wait is over and everything is finally beginning. But what is beginning? I mean, why is Mark so excited? Well, again, verse 1 tells us, look at it. It says, the beginning of the gospel. Gospel. That is why Mark is excited. Gospel. So what does that mean? Well, in the days that Mark was written, people in Rome, for example, would use this word gospel to to, to announce that there was a new king on the throne or or a new Caesar. And and people in Greece, they they might use this word gospel to, to announce that Greece had won a great victory in battle. I mean, gospel in this time was used whenever something big happened. A messenger would be sent out all around the empire saying, I have gospel." And so gospel is good news. Gospel is news that changes your life. Gospel is sort of like the day you found out that you got into UT, right? I mean, uh, whenever I sit down with you for lunch or coffee, one of the questions that I'll ask you is, tell me about the day that you got into UT. Because all of you remember. I mean, all of you remember, like, where you were and, and who you were with and what time of day it was. Because when you logged into the portal, and you saw that your admission status had changed, finally, to accepted, your life changed forever. That's gospel. And so for Mark, the question then is, what is his gospel? And what is the good news that Mark in particular wants to tell us? And the answer is that the king is here. The king has finally arrived. And we see this too in verse 1. Spending a lot of time on verse 1. Where it says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This word Christ is important. Okay, see, this word Christ, it isn't like Jesus' last name. Did you know that? It's not like Jesus' first name is Jesus' last name is Christ. No, Christ in the Bible means King. And, And it's important to understand that just as some of you freshmen have been waiting your whole life to finally be a student at the University of Texas... If you were a Jewish man or a Jewish woman in the days of Jesus, you would have been waiting all of your life for something to do. And what you would have been waiting on would have been the arrival of the Messiah. The Messiah, this great king or ruler who was one day going to come and was going to rescue the Jews from all their problems and free them from all of their enemies and return them to glory. Sort of like this, um, I went to a very prestigious college called Ole Miss, okay, and um, I'm sure many of you tried to get in and couldn't, so you went to UT, and that's cool. <laughs> uh And historically, I mean, Ole Miss is only good at football when we have a quarterback with the last name Manning, okay, so uh, in the late 60s, we were actually good because we had Archie Manning. And then in the early 2000s, we were actually good because we had Eli Manning. And so for years, we have been waiting on the arrival of the Messiah. The the, the day when another quarterback with the last name Manning would come to Ole Miss and would ascend the throne and would lead us back to glory. And you know who this person was supposed to be? His name is Arch Manning. And it said he's coming here, right? And it's fine. I don't even care. But the (laughs) point is... In verse 1, when Mark calls Jesus Christ, he is making a very bold statement. He is saying, right off the bat, the king is here, and his name is Jesus, and everything is about to change. And so, do you see, Christianity, it is not advice, it is news. Mark does not begin his gospel by giving you rules to follow nice instructions on how to be the best version of yourself. He begins with an announcement. The king is here. And the reason I want to emphasize this over and over again this semester is because many of you in this room, you believe that Christianity is about advice. I mean, but as Tim Keller says, advice is about you. Again, it's it's counsel about what you must do. But news is is a report about what has already been done. Advice says it is up to you to act and to make things happen. News says that someone else has already acted. And so which is better? Receiving advice or receiving news? I mean, sometimes we think that we like advice because it gives us a sense of control right? And and we think if if I can just do step A and step B and step C and follow the rules and follow the instructions, my life will work well for me. But in the long run, we begin to resent advice and we begin to resent the people who just only give us advice and spew advice at us. Why? Why does advice over time become annoying? Well, it's because when someone gives you advice, they tell you what to do but they do not do anything to actually help you do it. It is all on your shoulders. And so advice only adds to the burdens of your life and it doesn't do anything to take your burdens away. But news is different. I mean, news takes away your burdens. I mean, news is you have been accepted into UT. You can breathe now. I mean, news is the war is over. News is the king is here. News is someone else has already done it. Someone else has already acted. And so, for Christians, we believe that that someone is Jesus. And, friends, that is what makes Christianity not just news, but good news. Because we believe that Jesus has already done the work. So, if you're in this room tonight and you want to be forgiven, and of course you do, Jesus has already acted, He's already done the work. And if you're in this room tonight and there's something about you that you would like to change, some way you want to grow, only Jesus can do it. He only has the power to do it. And if you're here tonight and you look out in the world and, and you see people dying and you see disease and you see suffering and you see sadness and you say, how is it ever going to weigh, go, go away? Jesus is already at work doing it, even tonight, making everything sad in our world go away. Someone else is active. That's point one. Christianity is not advice; It's news that you simply receive. But let's look at point two, because I want you to see that the gospel here in Mark is also news that we must respond to. It evokes a response from us. It's like getting an invitation to a party, and you have to RSVP. You have to opt in or opt out. You have to say yes or no. So point two, responding to the news. So so look back in your bulletins and skip down to verse 14, where again we see this word gospel. It says Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God, the good news of God. And then in verse 15, Jesus speaks for the very first time in Mark. And what does he say? He says the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Everything is beginning. Repent and believe in the gospel. And again here, you should feel the excitement and the urgency that Mark has. I mean, Jesus is saying, it's time. The king is here. This is the time. But notice in verse 15 that Jesus, again, he's inviting us not just to receive the gospel, to respond to it. What does he say? Believe in the gospel. I want you to believe in it. And so what does that mean? I mean, what does it mean to believe in the gospel? What does it mean to believe in Jesus? So for most of us, I mean, when we think about believing in God, I mean, we imagine believing as something that we do with our minds, and we say, uh, "I believe that God exists. I believe that He's out there. I believe that He's like really powerful and stuff, right?" Um, but believing here in Mark is much deeper than this. Believing in Jesus is relational; is a matter not just of the head but of the heart. Believing in Jesus is to enter a relationship with him and to to trust him and to put your weight, the weight of your life and whatever you carry upon him. It's like this, as one author puts it, uh, saying, I believe in Jesus is very different than saying something like, I believe in UFOs. Okay, think about it. Uh, if you believe in the existence of UFOs, and I don't really care if you or not, but if you do, if you believe in the existence of UFOs, it doesn't change your life in any meaningful way, right? I mean, it doesn't change how you live, it doesn't decide, it doesn't like dictate what you decide to do with your life or do you, you decide to date or marry. And if it does, like we should talk about that. But uh, again, the point is if you believe in UFOs, your day-to-day life probably won't be any different than a person who doesn't believe in UFOs. But with Jesus, believing in Jesus is different because it actually changes everything. It changes everything about how you live. And so the question is, for all of us, how would our lives be different if we actually trusted in Jesus and believed that he was king and tried to submit to him and follow him and trust him What I love about our passage is that it actually begins to give us an idea of what this might look like. Because look, in verse 17, immediately after Jesus says, believe in the gospel, our passage zooms in on the life of these four very ordinary young men, Simon, Andrew, James, and John. They're probably somewhere around your age, and they're on a boat doing their job on an ordinary Friday afternoon on a lake. And then Jesus comes to them and he invites them to respond to him. And what does he say? He says, follow me. It's very simple. He, he says, follow me. That is the response he, he asks from them. And, and notice here what Jesus does not say to Simon, Andrew, James, and John. He does not say, Simon and Andrew, I want you to be a perfect person. He doesn't say, Simon and Andrew, I want you to be a nicer person and become, uh, again, sort of the best version of yourself. And I'm here to, like, be your life coach and help you be, like, a nicer person. Because, again, that's advice. And, again, notice what Jesus does not say. He doesn't say, Simon and Andrew, I-, I want you to understand exactly who I am and get your, like, theology right and memorize all the right facts about me. No. I mean, think about it. On the day that these men meet Jesus, they know very little about who he is. It's still the beginning. I mean, if Jesus had led these four men, like, from the lake and straight to, uh, like, McCones or wherever, and asked them to sit down and, and sort of take an exam on who is Jesus, they would fail. They do not know who he is. So what does Jesus say to Simon and Andrew? Again, he says very simply, follow me, trust me. He looks at them and says, it is only the beginning and you do not yet know who I am and you do not yet know all I will do and you do not yet know all that it will cost you to follow me, but for today, for now, I want you to trust me. I want you to believe that I'm good. I want you to believe that I'm for you. I want you to believe that life will be found in following me. I want you to believe that I have good things for you. Follow me. And when he says this, what do Simon and Andrew and James and John do? They respond. Look at what it says. It says they immediately drop their nets they immediately drop their nets. <laughs> not like, maybe later. Not, maybe next semester I'll follow you. Uh, not, maybe after college I'll follow you. They immediately drop their nets. And so I wanted to ask you, what would someone have to be like for you to leave behind everything that matters to you in order to follow that person? I mean, what would that person need to be like? I mean, would they need to be, like, really rich uh, and be able to guarantee you that you would be rich? I mean, would they need to be beautiful? Would they need to be able to guarantee you, like, a life of pleasure? Would they need to be famous and powerful and be able to guarantee you that you would be famous and powerful? I mean, what or who would someone need to be for you to leave behind everything that is important? Because that is what the disciples do. Y'all, Mark does not tell us here what it is. But there's clearly something about Jesus that these men have never seen before. They immediately drop their nets. And so what about for us? Again, I do not know why you're here. And I do not know all the things that you're feeling as school begins. But I do know this. I do know that all of us, including myself, have things in our life that we grip very tightly. We have things that we're very afraid of. We we have things that we very much really need to happen in our life. Uh, We have someone who we need to love us. We have something that we must accomplish. All of us have these things in our life that we are gripping very tightly. And so if you think about it, In order to draw the net, what must the disciples do? They have to open up their hands. And ultimately, friends, I believe that that is what Jesus is inviting us to do tonight here at Mark. He is inviting us to be open to him. He is inviting us to open up our hands and our hearts and our lives and our semesters and our futures to him. He is inviting us to say again, I don't know what this semester holds, and I don't know what my future holds, and I don't yet know all about who Jesus is, and I don't yet know all about what he will do, and I don't yet know all that he will ask of me and all it will cost to follow him, but I'm open to him. I believe that life is found with him, and I want to follow him, and I want to learn more.
1: And that's why I hope you'll come back to our UF next
0: week. Uh, Because each and every week this semester, we will be learning and seeing together different wonderful things about Jesus. And why four college-age fishermen would leave everything that was important to them in order to follow this man. Okay, let's close. So, uh, if you've ever read or watched Harry Potter, you'll remember that at the beginning of the story, uh, Harry is a lonely orphan and he is living with his abusive aunt, his abusive uncle, and he's sleeping in a tiny closet in the dark underneath the stairs. And and all of his life, Harry has been fed a lie, right? I mean, he's been fed a lie about about who he is and, and why it is that he lives with his aunt and uncle and why his parents are not around anymore. But then one day he receives news. I mean, he receives a letter in the mail that says, we are pleased to inform you that you have been accepted at Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. School begins on September 1st. We await your response no later than July 31st. I and mean, again, in that moment, in late summer, he's underneath the stairs in the dark. He receives the letter in the mail. His life changes forever. Advice will not change your life. But news will. He receives news. All he has to do is believe it and trust that it might actually be true. And then respond and say, I'm in. So, friends, the wait is over. The summer is over. The time has come. I mean, school has begun. Everything's beginning. Football season is beginning. And here in Mark, the gospel is beginning. The king is here. And I want you to know that you can trust him, that he has very good things for you. Open your hands, drop whatever it is tonight that you are holding tightly, and follow him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you great thanks that tonight you do not bring us advice, but you bring us news, and you bring us good news. Uh, Lord, the King is here, and he has done the work for us. And so, Father, I do ask that amidst all the excitement of the fall, uh, we would also taste tonight the excitement of the gospel. I pray for myself and my friends here that you might give us an openness to you, to who you are, and to what you would have for us this semester. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen.